You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Well, welcome back to another episode of Inflow with Soul. Today, we are speaking with Tara Mettler. And tell her, Tara Mettler, sorry, I'm combining your name there for you. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is an accomplished speaker, training, and a tenacious entrepreneur. We love these people. She has a business mindset at a very young age when she started her first business, a commercial cleaning company right out of high school. In 2018, she started um, an indie skincare company called Sweet On You. Then in 2020, Tara pivoted from legal compliance and went back to her original love, the financial industry. She created her latest company, Position Yourself Wealth Strategies, and works as a wealth strategist. Her focus is on providing financial education, showing people how to make their money work at its peak efficiency, turning liabilities and expenses into income generating assets, and how to have a chess-like strategic approach in creating, growing, and protecting one's wealth now and for generations to come. Tara is also a franchise owner of the Rising Tide Entrepreneur Chapter with the Network Lead Exchange. She lives in Dallas, Georgia with her husband, Jason, her two cats, Nacho and Higgins. Even though she lives in a locked, a landlocked area now, she is a beach girl at heart. In her spare time, she loves volunteering, wine tours, and a variety of DIY projects. Tara, thank you so much for setting aside time to share your expertise with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Uh, awesome. So, Let's start at the beginning, like we often do here, and tell me a little bit about your story of becoming an entrepreneur. You started super early, and I'm yeah. really curious about how, what was the context that that promoted or prompted you? Who, who did, what, why did you even think that you could start a business in high school? Like, really, let's get to it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it was interesting because, I mean, like in high school, you know, I had the, the typical aspirations of finding a job and, you know, um, uh, taking classes in order to help with that. And I really wasn't interested in like the college lifestyle, the college mindset. And uh, I, I married young too. I got married when I was 18, but I married somebody who was very entrepreneurial minded. And he had started his business already by the time he was 17. And so when we got married, he was already a couple of years into that. And I did a lot of volunteer work at that time. And, you know, working a 
a job, a standard job, and and doing the amount of volunteering that I was doing at that point, they didn't always align. And so I was running into some struggles where, you know, I had expectations over here on the job side, but here's really where my heart was, and I wasn't able to fulfill that part of myself. And so my husband said, well, why don't you think about starting your own business? And I thought, yeah, no, that's not really what I'm wanting to do. I don't know that that's the answer. Well, then an opportunity literally fell into my lap and I had gotten a, a cleaning job at that point. A friend of mine was moving away, getting married and, and wanted to find somebody responsible to take over this job. And when I saw how much when you had that much control over your time and even the amount of money that you could make, you didn't have a ceiling that somebody else was setting for you. It's like all of a sudden I understood what my husband was saying when he said, why don't you start your own business? And the the light bulb went off and I thought, well, if I can do this on this one job and I got just a couple more, I would already be doing better than I was in my, in my, part-time job that I had at that point, spending less time, having more freedom, having more flexibility, being able to focus on the things that I wanted. And that's when like that love and that desire for being in control of yourself started and uh, it just kind of never looked back. <laughs> oh. So, so it sounds like you were really able to step into this opportunity with very few barriers or were those barriers just something that now, when you look back, you don't even see them as barriers, but maybe they were at the time. Well, it's like, it was interesting because I was young, you know, yeah. so you, you've got a, a lot of uh, zeal and a lot of energy and things like that. So I had a lot of gumption. I mean, when I started my business, I literally thought I'm going to go up and down the main streets of our city and I'm going to cold call in every single business. And that is how I got my business off the ground for, for me and for a subcontractor. So I had enough work for two people within yeah. a matter of two days. Now, that's not a typical thing that would necessarily happen. Would I go about doing business now that way today? Probably not, because I don't have that kind of energy and things like that. So it, it's kind of funny because the typical things that I might look at as an obstacle now, my youth and my zeal and everything at that point, you pushed past it and, and you just kind of roll with the punches. But it was definitely interesting because you learned how to run a business. Mm -hmm. At that point, I did not know how to do it. So everything was by trial and error. Everything was, you know, off the backs of other people who have, you know, gone down that path and, and finding the right people to uh, either mentor or be there for guidance and, and things like that. And so I learned a lot and it's such valuable information that, and I always have had a um, the kind of mindset where you see the silver lining on yeah. things, you know? Right. So when a problem would come up or something that I didn't know, didn't expect, wasn't, wasn't properly educated on or what have you, it was always one of those things where I thought, okay, well, you know, this is something now that I know I can help other people who are going down this path as well and, and go from there. So it was, it was a very, very fun journey to get started with. It's interesting because so many of the entrepreneurs that I speak to just happen to be those entrepreneurs that start their business later in life. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing from you, and I've talked to a couple too that, that started early, but what I'm hearing from those individuals that start early is there's some 
gift and not knowing what you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. And you're just, you're not even going to question it. You're just going to go out there. You're going to take the action. And I also heard you say that you had mentors. You, you looked around and you saw the support that you needed to answer that particular question or that particular challenge, moved on to the next one, found those resources mm-hmm. and, and grew that way. And then was willing to turn around and help others grow as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I think that's a really important part of entrepreneurship is paying it forward because you have, I mean, everybody's journey in entrepreneurship is unique. It's very individualized, you know, depending on your experiences, the type of business you're getting involved in, you know, what have you, the path that it takes from that point in the future. And because of that individualness and uniqueness, it's so important to be able to impart that and share that with other people who are coming up, who are just starting, what have you, and and really help them along in that journey so that either they're not making the same mistakes or that they can, you know, there's something to be said about people learning from those mistakes in order to uh, come up with something better and bigger and more efficient and things like that. So yeah, to me, it's always a really important part in sharing that information and that journey with people. Yeah. And as the entrepreneur who is still learning and, and still maybe even struggling, right, to lean into other people and, and to be willing to do that mm-hmm. so that you don't feel like you're out here all by yourself and have to figure it all out by yourself. I don't know anyone who really could do all of this entrepreneurship work alone. Right. I agree with you 100%. And it doesn't possible. matter how many businesses you've had. You know, I mean, I've been involved in a number of businesses over the course of my life, and each one's very different, very uh, very unique in the challenges that you face and and how you overcome them and who you need to have as part of your support team and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Excellent. So so you have this um, business starting in high school, starting at a very young age. How long do you keep that business? Did you sell it? What happened to that? So I had that business for about 11 years uh, mm-hmm. and it it took many different paths. It started off as just something, you know, to to help me accomplish my volunteering goals that I had at that time. And then it grew into a full-time business. I had employees, I had subcontractors. It was to the point, I was trying to get it to the point where I could pull myself out of the business uh, because that was always my goal was to be working on it and not in it. And Things had changed in our life at that point where, well, actually, actually, it was something that I think is good for entrepreneurs to know, too. I got bored and Mm -hmm. I got um, actually I, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I wasn't fulfilled by it any longer, you know, and that was something that was a, a very long struggle in, in coming. It's like, it it was happening for years before I finally got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm not happy doing this anymore. And, you know, part of it was because of the type of work that it was, I wasn't around people, you know, Mm -hmm. it was something after hours. And so my husband and I had opposite schedules and things like that. And it wasn't, it wasn't giving me what I needed anymore. Now it had become a job again and Mm -hmm. was overtaking my life. And I was like, that's exactly why I started this. I don't want this to become that. 
And so I actually started backing off because I was at this precipice where I had the opportunity to either grow it really big or to start backing off and find something else to do. And so at that point, I decided I was going to start backing off. And so as jobs um, either came to an end or um, it was, you know, clients that I no longer wanted to, to do business with or things like that. It just started dwindling and dwindling. And actually, my mom was one of my subcontractors. And so there, the last few jobs that I had, actually, I transitioned over to her and helped her start her business. That's amazing. <laughs> You're just like a little uh, uh, incubator for businesses. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good word for it. I like that. An incubator. <laughs> Okay. So you, you transition out of the cleaning business. What comes next for you? Um, so I went back into the corporate world for a while after that. I dabbled in some other types of uh, like home-based businesses and things like that. Nothing was really, you know, getting me excited about it. Um, and so I, I stayed in the corporate world actually for quite a while after that. I was uh, back in in that world for probably another, uh, I would say, another eight or nine years before I actually kind of stumbled into my next business. Again, something kind of fell into my lap. And so I was working at my my last uh, J-O-B <laughs> uh-huh. and, um, and I... I was overseeing, uh, I was a compliance director. And so I was overseeing people within the company and, you know, verifying that things were being done right. And there was a particular project that we were working on. And because I'm in compliance, essentially, that's a nice way of saying you're always telling people what they're doing wrong. Right. (laughs) And, Uh And no matter how you package that, it comes across, you know, we need to do better. We need to do better. We need to, you know, be following the rules, what have you. And because it was uh, this particular project was going on for so long, I could tell morale was really starting to tank in in the department. And so I thought I need to do something nice for for everybody. And I I didn't want to do the typical standard things and like, you know, let's have, you know, food brought in or, you know, things like that. And so I thought, well, I make my own personal care products. And I think that's something very unique, very individualized. And I thought, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make for for the whole staff uh, some body scrubs. And so I had way too much fun, you know, putting my recipes together and making labels and all all this stuff. And so I brought all these scrubs in and I said to the team, you know, I really want to thank you for everything that you're doing. I know it's a challenge in, you know, being able to, to get things up to compliance. And I just want to say thank you. And so I've made this for you. Feel free to pick whatever you want. And they were just blown away. They they couldn't believe it. It definitely had the effect. Morale was boosted again. And people, you know, everybody took what they wanted. Well, then it was kind of funny because one by one, they started coming back to me after a couple of weeks. And they're like, oh, I just absolutely love that scrub, but it's all gone. Can I buy some more from you? Sure. No problem. Another one comes to me and she's like, my daughter's going off to college and I would love to send her with a few bottles of your scrubs. Can I buy some from you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, this like kept happening and kept happening. And I'm sitting here chuckling about it. You know, I'm thinking this is hilarious. This is not what I was expecting to have happen. And I right. come home and I tell my husband, my husband again, uh-huh. and he literally sits me down on the couch and he's like, babe, you just started another business. What do we <laughs> need to do to get this off the ground? And I'm like, 
I, I didn't even, I didn't even put two and two together. I'm like, you're right. Absolutely. And so like immediately that night we started putting a game plan together and sweet on you was born. Wow. So that was our, our next, our next move. Okay. <laughs> right. And now is sweet on you still uh, in existence or what happened with that? Yes. So sweet on you is still in existence. And in fact, um, when COVID hit, uh, then I actually ended up getting laid off from the company that I was working for. And so I thought, well, I'm going to start networking and see if I can get it from side hustle to main hustle. And in the course of networking is when I ended up meeting a wealth strategist and got involved in that and ended up starting my current company. So Sweet On You still exists, um, but it still is more of a a side hustle than a main hustle because more of my focus is on my financial business at this point. Amazing. (laughs) So what was the attraction to the wealth strategy content? Well, okay. So I have always been interested in the financial world. I worked in banking for a number of years early in my career, and I've always been very into learning about, you know, new strategies, debt reduction, you know, I'm a very out of the box thinker. And so when I see something that is not the traditional path that everybody goes down, that's what interests me. That's what really gets me excited. And so at that time, when I met this wealth strategist, well, I had, you know, just lost my job. So half of our household income was gone just like that. And even though I, you know, had always considered myself to be a a savvy, you know, financially savvy person and pretty in the know of what's out there. In talking to her for just a couple of minutes, she had said some things that I'm like, okay, I've never heard of that before. And so I reached out to her and said, you know, I would really like to talk to you. I've had some major shifts in in our personal lives, and I want to make sure that we've got things in in order the way that we should. And she said, well, I have a webinar happening tomorrow night. Why don't you come to my webinar? So I did. And within like the first four or five slides, I was like, holy cow, how have I never heard about these couple of things that she's talking about? And I need to know more. This is like a whole new world that's opened up to me. And so I reached out to her right afterwards and set up an appointment with her. And the rest is history. Um, she she started teaching me about uh, different types of avenues and opportunities that are out there for people to create, grow, and protect their money. And I had never heard of any of these things before. And I thought, well, I need to learn more about this. And, and that's that's how it, it got started. And going down that path made me realize that if I didn't know about this with all of you know my self-proclaimed experience and things like right. that, how many other people don't know about this too? And it became a, a mission of me to edu- educate people on it. So tell me a little bit about, before we get into the content, what are what are the results that you help people get to then? So we've got some financial struggles, whatever those are, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But then you you provide some support, some education, some intervention, and then where do clients get? Where do you take clients to? Well, the ultimate goal is to make them feel in control of their of their financial journey. A lot of times either we haven't been educated or we give our money to somebody else 
and, mm-hmm. you know, hope that they're doing what they need to do in order for us to get to, you know, the, the end game. And, but a lot of times people can see that that's not enough, you know, and times are changing. So the ultimate goal that I have with my clients is to essentially make them feel like they are an educated consumer when it comes to money so that they understand what kinds of options are out there, how their money actually works and how to make it work as efficiently as possible for them in order to achieve their goals now and in the future. And we all know money is like one of those core challenges mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that we face, whether it's in our relationships, uh, in our families, in our businesses, in our yeah. jobs. Money seems to, it, it kind of comes down to that. So what is it, some of the things that you're seeing with your clients that, describe the client that comes to you. What, what are they struggling with? Um, It can be a variety of different things. Uh, Sometimes it's a matter of they're in debt and they're looking for a way to reduce that, eliminate it. Sometimes they are coming because they have been trying to save for retirement. Maybe they feel they started too late. Maybe they feel they don't have enough money uh, to last uh, or are just looking for something other than the stock market. Maybe they don't trust what the stock market is doing, or they they want something that they don't like the volatility of traditional tools or things like that. And then, you know, there's people like me who are just out of the box thinkers. They just don't want to go down the same path that everybody else goes down. They want to try something different. So a, a lot of different uh, things will start that journey for people. But a lot of times it's that anxiety. It's that anxiety of, do I have enough money? Is my money working for me properly? Uh, Is there anything that I'm missing out on? I don't know about what have you. And it's, it's, it's truly an educational process is really what it comes down to. I I was just thinking, in fact, as you were describing, like all of the beliefs uh, that we have about money, that we've Mm -hmm. been taught about money and, Mm -hmm. and what it means to have money, what it means not to have money and what that our identities and how they're tied up into that. You are so right. You know, and, and that is something that causes a lot of anxiety for people. And it's, it's really a shame because that anxiety takes away from such more important things in life. Money is one of the last things that we should have to be concerned with. You know, I mean, it should be something that we think about, but it shouldn't be something that consumes us or uh, takes takes away time or our health or takes away time from our family or, you know, other things that are obviously more important. So my whole goal in working with somebody is to lessen, if not alleviate that anxiety so that they feel that they are getting what they need out of their financial situation so that they can focus on more important things and have their identity in the right spot. Yeah. Um, So what are some of the core beliefs that have shifted about money for you? Um, That's a really good question. Okay. So core beliefs about money that the only way to make money is in the stock market. Okay. I think that's something that a lot of people think that that's, you know, that's like the, you know, and I'm not, I want to say I'm not knocking any, any type of strategy or, or anything like that. 
Um, I don't <laughs> pretend to be a financial planner or a financial advisor or anything along those lines. Um, but there's more to life than the traditional means that are out there. And I think a lot of times people feel that that's the only option that there is, but there's a whole different world out there that works in harmony with that so that you can have a truly diversified portfolio and, and things like that. I would say another shift is in regards to um, becoming becoming more in control of your money and, and realizing that there are, are places that you can have your money growing. You know, a lot of times people are like, well, I want the safety of having my money in the bank. And so they'll, they'll leave a lot of money in a savings account and, and things like that. Well, you know, inflation alone is severely outpacing what you're making in a savings account. And so a shift is happening where people are realizing that that is not necessarily a good spot to be having that. We need to be putting it into something else that is growing or um, is outpacing inflation and is able to help us keep up with those types of things. So there's just a lot of different types of, of modalities that um, like I, like I always say, it always comes down to education mm -hmm. and people realizing that, you know, having your money in a bank account, having your money in the stock market, things like that. There's, there's more to life out there than those options. And all of them working together are, are a good way in order to make sure that we've got ourselves insulated and diversified and have our money truly working efficiently for us. Yeah. Now, I'll speak for myself, but I think largely most mm -hmm. of us have not really had um, any formal training in money mm -hmm. and money management, how to use money. Mm -hmm. So is there something that you learned or maybe an aha when you first started getting into this work or maybe that you've noticed come up with your clients? Um, what are some of those ahas that people wish that they had known sure. maybe 20 years ago? Sure. Um, one of the biggest ahas for me was uh, making your money work more efficiently. Okay. We're, we're taught the value, the face value of money, but we're not taught ever about the opportunity cost of money. So like business owners and entrepreneurs, we understand opportunity cost is the, the future value of, of something, mm -hmm. but we're never taught that about our money. So we essentially, we save up money and then we have a bill, expense, a trip, you know, what have you. We buy a house, we buy a car, and that money gets right. traded. So now we have the asset, but we no, no longer have the money. And so that opportunity cost of that dollar is huge. I mean, it can, it can mean a very, very large amount of money for us if we can make that dollar have multiple jobs before we spend it out of existence. And so that's one of the things that was a huge aha moment for me was that it's not a matter of not ever spending money again, because I think that's where a lot of our minds go is that, well, the only way to recover that future cost is to not spend it. And while, yes, that is a strategy, that's not going to work. We have bills to pay, we need to eat, you know, all of those types of things. So it's a matter of finding vehicles that can help us 
not only use those funds, but have multiple jobs. So we're getting two for one, three for one, four for one out of that dollar before it's spent or for it to be generating income for us so that we can live off of the income that it generates and protect that dollar. So that was definitely an aha for me uh, because I am definitely a, a person who is all about streamlining and efficiency and strategy. And so that was something that immediately spoke to me that how did I not know this before? How did I not know how to recover the opportunity cost of money? And so that's definitely something that I teach. I teach my clients. So as you're describing this, I'm thinking about um, my own experience growing up, um, went to a Catholic high school and there was an endowment fund. And, And what I was told about the endowment fund, right, is that donations would come in and that the school then would use the interest payments from that um, donation as their cash, their cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. And just as you were saying, protect that endowment so that Mm -hmm. it continues to make money. Um, And this is also something, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm also hearing that that's kind of um, one of the differences between our one percenters, right? The people who have a lot of money and those of us who are in the middle and maybe even and um, struggling even more Mm -hmm. is that we're not letting our money work for us. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what that kind of looks like in our day-to-day lives? Sure. So essentially, um, you're right. The the hyper-wealthy, the one percenters, they're always looking for opportunities that will give them that great rate of return, that growth, it protects their principal. And they're essentially doing what I was just talking about, that they're recovering that opportunity cost. And so there's different types of vehicles and strategies that are out there that can do that um, on a a day-to-day basis, over the long-term basis. You know, sometimes it's more of a long-term strategy. Uh, you know, different, different things might not be necessarily right now. Like one of the things that we think about as a long-term strategy is like a retirement account and and things like that. And that is, um, that's a a great vehicle because it's something that, you know, can give us uh, perhaps a tax break now and then provides an income for us. But then it's a matter of taking that a step further and putting, you know, using those funds in something that can generate a good uh, return for you so that when it comes time to use that money, it's it's something that maybe you're not dipping into principal. It's something that you're able to, to just use the, the interest that it's accruing or, or right. things like that. So that's just, um, you know, a, a very... 30,000 foot view of of a strategy like that. Okay. So again, many of us maybe have heard about that already, right? That the the um, Mm hyper-rich live off their interest Mm -hmm. so they don't have to touch their principal. But for those of us who are, you know, day-to-day, maybe living check-to-check or have debt, Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the suggestions or or what are the things that we need to learn maybe to shift out of that debt space or mm-hmm. the, the check to paycheck to paycheck space? 
Sure. So I want to preface it by saying that every, every person's situation is very individualized. So, you know, um, anything that I say is not a blanket statement for, for everybody. Um, it's something that a financial needs analysis would need to be done for, for your individual circumstances to find out what are some possible strategies that could be implemented. But for anybody who's looking to you know, get out of, of debt or to have, you know, more income available to them. Even just something very, very simple is paying yourself first. That is a game changer in and of itself. And, you know, a lot of us know that we need to save, but we don't actively think about it. We were of the mindset, and this kind of goes back to one of your earlier questions of, uh, about an aha moment or, you know, some things that you wish you knew earlier in life, is we have kind of been conditioned to think you pay all of your bills first and then whatever you have left over, if you have anything left over, then you save out of that. And really that's coming from a, a lack of abundance mindset for one thing. Um, but it also sets us up for failure, you know, and that's one of the things that I always correlate finances to is that we understand things when it comes to like our health, right? We understand we need to take care of ourselves before we take care of other people. We need to put gas in the tank before we're able to, to help others. Well, the same thing holds true when it comes to our finances. We need to pay ourselves first and then take care of, of our the rest of our needs, the, the bills and expenses and all of those things. And having that shift in mindset actually does a number of different things. A, it it gets you into the proper habit of saving immediately, not saving if you have money, but making the money for it. And then it also, second as a second benefit, helps you prioritize things better. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times what happens is people will say, oh, I live paycheck to paycheck. But really when it comes down to it, they don't have their funds accounted for. And so, you know, if, if money doesn't have a job, it gets spent. It really does. You know, that's just the the long and short of it. And so if we can give our funds a job at all times, a place to go, then things fall in line. And all of a sudden it becomes easier and easier to save. You've got more capital available for you when, you know, nothing else has changed in your finances, but it's because things are being prioritized and applied properly. So it's like one of the best pieces of advice I can give anybody is to pay yourself first. And even if you think, well, I literally am paycheck to paycheck, we'll start with $5. You know, okay. is can, can you put aside $5 without feeling that pinch mm-hmm. and then take care of everything else after that? Because a lot of times we can find, yes, I can stick away $5. It just right. means I, you know, won't get that extra bag of cookies at the grocery store or something, or, you know, along those lines. And then as we get used to that, then we can increase it. And the goal is to get to saving at least 10% of our income uh, on a regular basis so that we're starting to grow that nest egg, grow something that we can grow further uh, and and still be accountable for the rest of our expenses. So it, it helps us to be more aware. I go back to being an educated consumer. It helps us to be more aware of what our money is doing, 
And when we're doing that, then we start to budget. Money starts to have a place where it's supposed to be. And then it it allows us to have extra, even though things might not have changed. You know, we not, might not be making more money, right. um, but that's definitely a, a very good place to start. Okay. So one of my other questions then regarding um, a wealth strategist is you you said earlier in this call that you're not a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Did I hear that right. correctly? Yep. Mm-hmm. So tell me how um, what a wealth strategist does and maybe how you interface then with other providers, maybe sure. a financial advisor. Yeah, absolutely. So, right. Yes, that is a, a very accurate description. I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a financial advisor. But what I do marries very well with that. So if somebody's already working with a financial professional, what essentially I do as a wealth strategist is I'm an educator and a facilitator. So it all comes back to being that educated consumer. A lot of times when we go to a financial professional, um, you know, we let them know what our risk tolerance is, you know, what uh, funds we have, what our goals are, and, and they develop a plan based on that. Well, it doesn't always leave us in control of what our money can do. And I'm not saying that as a blanket statement, it just sometimes that happens. And so, but how much better it can be when we know what our money is doing. And I mean, anytime you have an active participation in something, it's more fun. You, uh, you feel in better control. You feel more educated about things. And so what I do is I, I help people understand how money works and then how that applies to their personal strategy, goals, journey, what have you. And then they feel that they're in control of what their money can do and now have options in front of them. And so essentially then I, I just basically educate them on those options uh, like you said, help them get in touch with people in order to be able to uh, accomplish those goals as to whatever those are and and then go from there. So it's essentially helping them realize that there is a strategy that they can put together for themselves. And that includes their financial professional, includes their CPA, you know, anybody else in that realm that they're looking to accomplish whatever goal they're looking to accomplish. But now they're in the driver's seat. Right. And so they can feel accomplished. They can feel good. They they know exactly where their money is, what it's doing, and how it affects them. And so that helps them be better prepared for when things change in life because mm-hmm. nothing is static. So things change all the time. And so that then helps them stay on top of their financial situation and the effect that maybe a, a, a life event, a new life event has, or a change in job situation or things along those lines. Right. Yeah. Life happens mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> uh, unpredictably. Yeah. So do you then as a, as a wealth strategist, um, you know, I'm thinking of our financial advisors, it doesn't change, right? Um, my husband and I got a financial advisor when we first decided to get married and, and, we've never even considered changing our financial advisors. I realized this I'm a wealth strategist. That's mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So a couple of, couple of questions. The first one is, do you as a wealth strategist, like is this an ongoing educational process or is this a kind of 
you work with a client, teach them what they didn't know about how money works and how money can work for them. And then now they're empowered to go out and make those buying decisions? Mm -hmm. Or is this an ongoing relationship where as things change, the strategies and opportunities or options change? Exactly. And that's, that's more of, of what it is, the latter. Um, So essentially, you know, like our, our first, our first conversations and things like that are going to be about learning about how money works, you know, learning about the ins and outs of the interest rates and how that affects your, your goals and the efficiencies and, and doing a financial needs analysis to see where, like what your current financial snapshot is, and then talk about your goals as to what you want to get to. Well, when things change in life, goals change. So maybe at one point, you were thinking about, oh, I just want to have money for vacations, what have you. Well, then all of a sudden you have a child and now legacy planning becomes an important thing. Well, now maybe it's not so much about, you know, just saving up for the next vacation or something along those lines or, or a down payment on a house. Now we're thinking about, we need to protect our income. We need to have, uh, something in place, uh, in, you know, in the event that we pass, uh, what's, what are we going to, to leave on to our future generations? So things can change at any time. And so it's important to, you know, keep up to date with those changes because that could make a, a very big difference on, you know, now perhaps this vehicle isn't the right vehicle for you anymore. Maybe you need to start thinking about something like this. Let me introduce you to these types of of things. And then you can see how that falls in line with your strategy, if that's something you want to do. Okay. So it sounds like what you would do is that you will sit down with a new client, discuss what what the current situation is, what are their dreams, and do an assessment Mm -hmm. of where they are. And then based on that assessment, here are some options that you may or not have known about mm-hmm. in terms of how to make your money that you do have work for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then with that information, then I can go to my financial advisor or my CPA or whomever I need to and say, these are the kinds of products or services that I'm looking for. This is what I want my money to do for me. Is that Ex- yeah, right? absolutely. And then, okay. um, you know, I uh, am a partner with other companies as well. So if if it's something that a financial planner or a financial advisor doesn't have, then I can also help shepherd you to other people who do have those types of vehicles. Right. And, and then that way you've got something that marries both sides together. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is important to you about doing this work? For me, it's important that, well, it's it's a multi-pronged thing. I feel that there's a lot of information that's out there that is either misleading or is not the whole truth about financial strategies, situations, what have you. And to me, that honesty in giving people transparency as to what their money can do is very, very important. And, and like I had said before, money is the last thing that we should have to be worrying about. And if I can help somebody take that off of their plate and not have to be concerned with that and give them more time with their family, give them more time doing the things that they love 
to me, that, that makes me really, really happy. So to be able to give people their freedom, to be able to take away anxiety, to be able to, uh, give them something that, uh, you know, that allows them to focus on the more important things that that's what really drives me to do what I do. And I, I was so glad to find these things myself and the weight that it took off of me. That's what I love seeing in my clients is when that weight comes off of them. And, and now they're, they, they feel in control, they feel happy and, and now they can move on to other things. And that, that to me is like the best thing. That's, that's like the, the moment that I wait for is, is when they're like, ah, that, that moment of relief that they have. You know, again, as you were describing this, what kept going over in my mind is that age old question of what would you do if money was not an issue? Right. What would yeah. you be if money was not an issue? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you help clients actually experience that because you're taking that money piece out, that worry piece out. Money's no longer an issue. So now who do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? Exactly. And you know, that, that literally is one of the questions that I do ask people. Um, and I always love those answers because you, you really see the real person come out of that. You know, you get people who are like, I, I want to travel. I want to be an artist on the beach. I want to, you know, I want to do this. I, I want to volunteer more. And it's like, you really get to know that person and develop a, a very close relationship with them because the answer to that question gives so much insight onto what's truly important to them. And if we can work towards that goal of getting them to that space, that is that's just absolutely amazing. It's priceless. It is priceless. And, and to have someone like you who can guide um, people through that learning process to get to that space where money's not an issue, that that's a gift. And I really appreciate you for sharing your knowledge, your skills, and your gifts with others to help them achieve financial freedom. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Before we leave, how can people find you? Um, so, uh, they can go to our website, which is, uh, wealthstrategiesforlife.com. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn and on Facebook as well. And, uh, on any of those, uh, sites is my calendar. So somebody can book time with me that way, uh, to talk about their, their goals and, and where they're at right now, where they want to be. Wonderful. Well, Tara, I've learned a lot from you today and I will definitely be following up with you. I've got some additional (laughs) questions for you. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you so much for, again, sharing your knowledge and your expertise. And and, um, for those of you who are listening to this, there, there are answers. There are ways to make your money work for you so that you can enjoy that life uh, without having to worry about it. Thank you again, Tara. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.